you know, I could see them kind of looking at me like, you're an old dinosaur, man. What are you going to teach us? So I looked him in the eye and I said, I know, I know I'm old. I've been over to pull up my socks and I think what else can I accomplish while I'm way down here? I said, but you know what? It, with that comes a lot of wisdom. So at some point, don't you think we better start right where we are right now, your age and my age? Today, you've never been this old before and today you'll never be this young again. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. Dan Clark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bridger. What a cool name. <laughs> Dan Clark, you mean. The name Dan. Dan Clark yeah. sounds like a cereal box, but names, they're significant. I really believe mm. they are. And uh, it kind of ties in with the reputation that we carry our whole lives. Mm. And uh, something we can take with us when we die. So Bridger One stands the, out and I hope you do. I know you do. Yeah, well we've, so if, some of you guys that don't, haven't followed us, but Dan spoke at our <clears> previous <throat> Blackheart Summit. Wow, the audience was amazing. You came and just, people were laughing and crying the whole thing. Dan's an incredible speaker, has traveled around the world, spoken. I think we said that in the intro, but it's so cool to have you in person in our studio right now to talk. So it's gonna be a fun Thanks. episode today. We're gonna talk about life and family and business and also the world, what's going on right now. You, yeah. you get to meet, you have a unique experience. And I actually wanna talk about this. You have a unique experience of life that you've met probably, I mean, 10 to 20 times more people than the me or the average person would meet in a lifetime. And I want to actually yeah. ask you, when you meet someone, you talked about names, what in, in the first, you read a lot of self-help books, they talk about the first 10 to 30 seconds, you really can tell something about a person. You've had the experience of meeting lots of individuals over your life. Walk me through the experience of meeting someone Maybe you don't even know their background. You just shake their hand and you know something's different about them versus That's someone who's kind of average. That's such a great question. Okay. So Let's just talk turkey. So I don't want to get thrown under the bus, but uh, I've written a lot of keynote speeches for celebrities mm -hmm. and a lot of TED Talks, written five speeches for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and I wrote his TED Talk. Mm -hmm. When I interviewed Hank Haney, Tiger Woods golf coach in his six and a half highest uh, profitable winning years, mm -hmm. and I asked him all about Tiger. And he said that Tiger has an influence on everybody that he meets. And Tiger has an ability to discern within three to 10 seconds, if this person can do something for him, which mm -hmm. is what most people do. Yeah. What can he do for me? What can I get out of him? Who can he connect me with? Can he get me front row seats, backstage pass? What can I get from him? And he says, Tiger Woods, he assesses that in three to 10 seconds. And if he knows that person can't help him, he doesn't even talk to him. He completely ignores them, walks past them. Interesting. So in my experience, just having that little small tutoring from Hank Haney, <clears throat> what I really want everybody to understand is the law of reciprocity, that karma is a real deal, but what goes around comes around. Mm. So what has allowed me to, to meet, not just meet so many famous people and so many powerful people and the celebrities, is my mindset that's not what they can do for me, but what can I do for them? How may I serve mm -hmm. them? Yep. And if you have an opportunity to know ahead of time who you're going to be introduced to, who's going to be at the, 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 you know, the mastermind, who's going to be on the cruise, who's going to be at one of your events, your huge event that you had down in Florida, and you do your due diligence and find out a little bit about their life, find out about their spouse or significant other, find out about their their favorite form of recreation. Mm. What's their number one charity? So that when you engage with them, they know first and foremost that you care about them, not what they do, but what who they are as human beings. You've done the re your research before. Exactly. You so I've spoken, you know, 6,000 times in 75 countries to millions of people. And if you go to my website, you can see I've dined with with presidents, mm -hmm. White yeah. House. I, I'm, That's why I want to ask this question. Yeah, you've, you've been, well, had this incredible experience of life. Well, I, I'm we're, we're we're really good family friends with the royal family of United Arab Emirates. Sheikh Nahyan's a dear friend, mm. and it's not because we go there in search of what they can do for us. It's how how can we serve you? Mm. So let me just tell you a funny story. Because yeah. we live here in Utah, we have the Sundance Film Festival for a couple of weeks at the end of July, and I mean end of January into February. And I've flown 6 million miles on Delta Airlines. I always fly first class. I always get a window seat. Mm. And so during the course of the year, <clears throat> because of Park City, because of Sundance Film Festival, 
I bet annually I sit by six to 10 superstar A-list entertainers, actors, mm -hmm. actresses, musicians. Just by nature of- Just, just by nature of me sitting in, in first class at a window seat. Which I've heard this, a number of people say the best mastermind they ever joined oh. was just always buying first class tickets. Oh yeah, but this is the game I play that answers your question. Mm -hmm. So superstar gets on and sits down next to me and I watch the flight attendants, they get giddy. They're kind of like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then the passengers come by and they're like, oh my gosh, my friend, picture and I'll autograph, blah, blah, blah. And I just ignore them. Mm -hmm. And finally, as we know, when you take off 10, we're now at 10,000 feet altitude. Yeah, yeah. And that's the cruising altitude where they come over the PA system and say, uh, you know, you can take off your seatbelt, use the restroom, but if you're, you, you remain seated, please keep your seatbelt on. And that's when they serve the beverages. Mm. So that's the perfect break in the action. So it's not calculated. And I always turn to the superstar and say, so who are you? Mm. No, I say, I say, yeah, I say, who are you? And they look at me like, what? They're kind of offended. And I'm like, yeah, so what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I'm in the entertainment business. I like, so you sing or dance. Mm. And within two or three minutes, when they don't, when they know I don't give a rat's wakazoodle who they are or what they do, <laughs> yeah. they crave being treated like human beings, not human doings. Mm. They crave this human experience before they were famous. Mm. And when you can treat them like that, funny story. And I know this is a podcast, but so on one experience, I'm flying from the Burbank airport into Salt Lake City. And I sit down next, this guy sits down next to me. I know exactly who he is. And finally in our conversation, he's Lauren Michaels, who was the most famous mm. uh, television producer of all time. Mm. And he still produces Saturday Night Live. Mm, cool. I don't know if I should tell this, but what the heck. <laughs> so as we start connecting and we're coming down and we're laughing, we're swapping stories. I'm asking him questions. It's unbelievable. And he goes, he goes, Danny, he said, you know, I'm flying in to meet my girlfriend at my condo up in, up in uh, Snowbird. And I don't, I, I, I don't think I like her anymore. Hmm. You want to go get sushi? So, <laughs> so instead of driving up to Snowbird, we go down and said, we hang out because I'm treating him normally. And then he comes to his wits and says, no, I, I know I like her. Let's go. So yeah. When you treat so people like yeah. they 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 are somebody special that you want to serve, suddenly the law of reciprocity comes around and they say, what can we do for you? Mm. One of my favorite books I've read was from Orrin Klaff. <laughs> he talks about this concept of status alignment. That if you go up to a movie star and you act like, in the first three to five seconds, if you act like a fan, and they're not, not nothing bad about that, but they just, they put you in the category of being a fan. Yeah. And then if you can be equal or above status alignment, they, you can become friends and, and or peers. People don't do business with people that are fans of theirs. Yeah. They I do agree. people with business or, or friends with people that are either equal or above status alignment of themselves. Absolutely. And you were able to do that in a very, so let's unpack that a little bit. You ask him what he did, but you have this incredible ability. I don't, I'll say, the reason I'm asking you this is Dan Clark will walk into a room and people don't know who you are, but they go, who is that guy? Just by the way you hold yourself. The way you smile, the way you look at people, the way you shake someone's hand, you don't even open your mouth and people go, I gotta meet that guy. Like when you came to our event, nobody, I don't think knew your whole background and story and stuff. You walked in though, people, man, who's that guy? That guy looks special. He looks like uh -huh. something. And you didn't have an entourage or a big thing. It was nothing, it was just, you just uh -huh. walked in. And I wanna ask you about that, unpack that for us. How do you actually build that over a lifetime if someone's listening to the show and wants to become that type of a person that has influence and charisma traits like that? You're such a good interviewer, bro. It's all about the fundamentals. It's about eye contact. It's about a firm handshake. It's about a smile. It's about asking them about themselves again. We've gone full circle already. Mm -hmm. So tell me about you. You know, Brigham, he's your engineer. What a fine young man. And he remembered meeting me. I remembered meeting him. Mm -hmm. I just had to have him come out of the bright lights. It's how you make people feel in the first three to 10, ten seconds again. Mm -hmm. and, and they can tell if, if, if you are aloof. I mean, you know, I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan or not, but it's so intriguing to watch what she says in between her songs. It's choreographed, but she drives everybody to join her fan club and to buy her merch. Mm. And when she's interviewed, she always is about giving and always about, you know, serving the underdog. Mm. And when you can create a reputation like that, you know, the jealousy comes in because she sells out, or I think her tour is going to be $1 billion this year. Yeah, it's insane. But she has, uh, she has tipped her, her, just her crew $55 million aggregate yeah. just because they're working so, so hard to help her. So the idea of 
of walking into a room with with a cocky swagger versus a humble confidence. You have it. You know, just watch people. When they walk into a room, people stop and say, who is he, who is she, and what does she do? Mm. And it's that ambience that you talk about. And in the entertainment world, we call it the it factor. She has mm. it. He has it. Yeah. And I don't know if you can, I, I don't think you're born with it, but I, I don't know if you can train it. Mm. It's the difference between teaching and learning. Mm. You know, you can listen to a professor all day long. I think you could teach people how to how to organize, how to start a fund, how to grow a fund all day long, but unless they actually internalize it and learn it, it doesn't do them any good. We don't learn to know, we yeah. learn to do. So Jim, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite quotes from him, he yeah. talks about people want to be above average, but they won't have an above average smile. Yeah, or have an true. above average handshake or have an above average introduction when you meet somebody. Exactly. Little things, like you said, the fundamentals make a massive difference. And, and even in even in conversation, if you have ordinary, if you live an ordinary life, you only can tell ordinary stories. Hmm. If you have an extraordinary life, you can tell extraordinary stories. So what are you going to do? You know, I had a chance to, we've all seen Maverick Top Gun. Mm. I've seen it seven times <laughs> because I had that same F-18 experience. Yeah, you went out and did yeah, that. I've yeah, I've taken off an aircraft carrier at Atlanta. I did everything you can see in the movie. Mm -hmm. I've flown with the Thunderbirds, F-16s. I've had so many experiences in, in stealth bombers and mm -hmm. fighter jets. And one of the and things- And by the way, it's not because you're an Air Force pilot. It's no. just because of the life you've lived and you've been able to network, which is I'm so jealous of. You've just networked your way in yeah. to allow these people to come. Like, yeah, go. let's go okay, on so the U-2 to space. Yeah. Well, it's insane. But that's part of our conversation because I've given 350 free speeches to the military. That's mm. how I serve my country. Mm. And eventually the generals and the commanders know what my speaker's fee is. And they know I volunteered my time all this time. Mm. And eventually they, out of the law of reciprocity, say, Dan, what can we do for you? Mm. Yeah, I want to go to space. I want to fly a fighter jet. I want to go downrange and fire up the troops in Afghanistan, mm. Iraq. I've been there eight times. So the, 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 the kicker of these experiences comes from service before self. What can I do for you? How may I serve you? And then eventually, and that's not the motivator, mm. but eventually they say, what can we do for you? And then you learn the life lessons, which gives you an extraordinary experience that you can share so when I walk into yeah. a military room, I talk their lingo. I've been there. I've done that. I can speak to Boeing. I can speak to Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, because I've been in all their aircrafts. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, classic example. When you have an extraordinary experience, when you meet an extraordinary human being, make sure you take the time to, to, to figure out the life lessons you learned so that that story is worth sharing with someone else. Mm, yeah. Classic point, F-18. Uh, I take off, we, you know, catch, we go uh, Mach 2 twice the speed of sound, catch 7.1 Gs, did everything you saw in the Maverick, uh, the Top Gun Maverick movie. And when we land and I climb out of the cockpit, there's a journalist there because I'm a civilian and she asked me one question, Clark, did you pop your cookies? Did you throw up? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, not only did I throw up the bananas I ate the night before, but I, I, I think I ejected a box of milk duds I'd eaten in a movie when I was nine. I told her I was upside down so long, I think I'm the only human being who's ever thrown down. But I land, I get out, I talk to the journalist, and then I ask my commander, okay, how did we fly this magnificent F-18? And he said, by feel, I said, what do you mean? He said, you become the plane. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you climbed up the ladder and slid into the cockpit, did you strap into the F-18 or did you strap the F-18 onto you? Mm. So that's a life lesson that appeal, that applies to entrepreneurs, yeah. to sales professionals, to leadership. What are you going to do to take control of your life? And then here's the cool thing. You don't go supersonic and elevate and escalate and accelerate your life, your dream, your entrepreneurship, your, your fund organization and fund launch using the left brain cognitive psychobabbling neurotechnical side. It's not about information. Mm. You go supersonic with the right side of your brain, with the touchy-feely relational storytelling mm. ambience, quiet confidence side where you laugh and cry. It's the story selling side. Mm, yeah. So what happens too often is we come into a room and we don't, we, we can't figure out a way to connect with people unless we're just on a left brain or on a right brain side. So I encourage everybody to engage both sides of the brain. And I think that comes out before you ever open up your mouth. Mm.
Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if you, this show has helped you in any way, shape or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much and we'll get back to the show. I love what you just did there. And you can tell, obviously, Dan is a world-class like class speaker. And a lot of people, myself included, I think aspire, they listen to speakers like you and they aspire to be a speaker one day. And or tell, not even just be a speaker, but man, I want to tell a great story at a dinner party or at the barbecue and yeah. be funny and also engaging and interesting. When I talked to somebody on the plane, you said first, living a really incredible life, but I love what you just did right there. That story, you could have just said, oh yeah, I flew an F-18, it was, it was awesome. But then you shared a little detail about the news reporter and throwing it down. That was kind of a joke. And then you talked about this life lesson and that could probably be a full speech. You could probably give for an hour on just that one story. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you summarized it to two minutes for us. For people listening that want to build that skill mm -hmm. of being that person at the dinner party that just can throw down a really great story and wrap things together and make people laugh and be that charismatic, incredible person. Do you have a framework for this or a way that you yeah. build stories around experiences in your life? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so in my speaker coaching program, I call it Speak Like a Pro. Hmm. And I teach what I call eight elements. I've taught advanced public speaking at the university level for 11 years. So I distilled everything I've learned in a four decade career, Hall of Fame speaker, and put it in a curriculum, a syllabus, but then I amplified it with my book, Speak Like a Pro. In there, I teach the eight elements for crafting what I call a Hall of Fame speech, a signature speech that everyone loves, the mm. listeners love. And there's eight elements. And it doesn't matter if it's a two minute speech, a five minute speech, or a 60 minute keynote in front of a huge event, like one of your mm. events, you use all eight elements to edit so every word pays its own way. And you know what the punchlines are, mm. you know what is funny, what is emotional, and the way you orchestrate it, it's called the motivational, the motivational sequence where the order in which you tell the stories or the order in which you put your points across humor, emotion, whatever mm. matters. So element number one is outside introduction. Everybody we meet one-on-one, <clears throat> one on 25 in a corporate boardroom, uh, one on 350 in a corporate meeting or one in 10,000 in an arena, mm. everybody craves the answers to three questions. And I call it my speaker's triangle. It's an inverted triangle because visually it forms a funnel. Mm. Everybody craves the answers to three questions. Number one, why should I listen to you? Mm. Have you done it? Are you currently doing it? It's history and, and, and present moment. Mm. And that's the credibility piece. Question number two, can I do it too with my past, with my weaknesses, with my limitations, and with my successes? Yeah, That's the possibility piece. And then if you answer question number one, question number two, the funnel begs the answer to the third question, how do I do what you've done? Mm. How do I do it? How do I get from where I am to where I wanna be? What's the system? Is it worth it to me? And that's the usability piece, credibility, mm. possibility, usability. So now back to the eight elements. The first element is, outside introduction, why should I listen to you? Mm. At some point, someone in the room needs to build your credibility. Mm. This is my favorite grandson. Yeah. This is my son who has created this gajillion dollar fund launch company. This is Bridger Pennington who caught the vision in college early that he could make more money as an entrepreneur before graduation. Mm -hmm. Here's Bridger Pennington, who puts his family, puts Lauren, his beloved Lauren, his little guy ahead of everything. Here's Bridger, blah, blah, blah. So it's that reputation. It's that answer. From a, from a third party as well. Exactly. It has party. to be third party yeah. validation. That's Not, my entire career. Mm -hmm. I come in. If I speak for you, hopefully I did this when I came in and spoke for your group. When they leave, they know that Bridger Pennington's strategic direction, character, love of life, you know, ingenious in ingenuity, creativity is intact because I came in from outside a fund launch and validated that you're what all you that did, in a it bag was, of it chips. Was incredible for people that want to hire Dan, like you sat down with yeah. me for, it's like 10 minutes. You asked yeah. me a bunch of questions about yeah. my business and my life. And I was like, oh, we're just, I guess Dan wants to know about me. You got on stage and said it exactly 
There were yeah. numbers, statistics, how many students, what kind of percentage return, and you remembered it perfectly and set yeah. it on stage to give me the event for. I'm like, wow, man, Dan is throwing me a big bone on stage. And then also additionally, we we when you came on stage, we had an MC announce you, but you also yeah. played your video, which was massive, yeah. that uh, introed you as a speaker on stage. It talked about all your credentials and almost as a third party to validate yeah. to make sure your intros the same way. Yeah, it was inter it was. Uh narrated by Larry King. Now it gives yeah, everybody King, the right. EBGBs because he's dead. So I'm mm. working on a new one right now. Yeah. The outside introduction is really important. It's the reputation. It's what people know about you or saying about you behind your back. Not mm. the naysayers, not not the folks who, you know, they, 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 the, the trolls on the internet. We mm -hmm. can get over that really fast. But the outside introduction matters. And it could be just a one line. Mm. Uh, but so when you're a, telling so a story, at a dinner party, okay, at at a dinner a, party, dinner party it's got to be a friend or no, but at a dinner party, if you don't have, this is the other part of it. If you don't have a third party validation, you have to come up with a one line at the beginning that gives them a reason for the inside introduction, which is what comes out of your mouth first. It's your mm. brand. Mm. It's, you know, what are you going to do? And so the one line could be, you know, I was just in Florida, you know, we had, 8,000 people at my fund launch meeting in, in Miami. Mm. And I learned, mm. uh, I just went down with a friend of mine, Ryan Bowen. We drove down to Gunnison, Utah and spoke to the prisoners. Mm -hmm. So instead of me hum hawing around, well, yeah, this guy calls me and I had an opportunity to, you know, think about it. And I was invited to go down and speak at the prison. And I didn't know if I really had a message. What do you mm -hmm. say to him? I would start it off like, you know, last Thursday when I got out of prison in Gunnison, Utah, mm -hmm. So the great hook, yeah, I everyone's, know, everyone's see? and then it adds credibility. You with, got you know, it. This so guy the that, inside yeah. introduction is element number two out of eight. Mm. What do you say first? There's four ways to start every conversation. Four ways to start every every speech. Number one, ask a question. You cannot not answer a question. Are you mm. tall? Are you short? Are you conservative? Are you liberal? What are you? Mm. You cannot not answer a question. So you go into a dinner party, and you hear the conversation going. And you might want to tee yourself up again, like, so have you ever flown in a fighter jet? Hmm. I have. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, what would what would happen if if uh, you know if you had a chance to sit down with Sir Richard Branson? What questions would you ask him? Hmm. Well, when I had that chance, yeah. it was unbelievable because and that's to a cold audience. That's see, a great little yeah. intro. And, well, hopefully, can, and hopefully you can get validation from other people in a dinner party setting. But yeah. yeah, cold intro, that's pretty good. Okay, yeah. but the second way is even even better, even with, you know, and especially in a cold intro, is you you quote a startling factoid mm. and you participate in the conversation. You only know your you only need a chance to have the mic. And if you have that mic and you screw up that chance, the mic's gonna be passed subconsciously mm. to the next person. So in the conversation, you know, you say something like, Yeah, you know, I just read that uh you know, 63% of Americans are this and that. Mm. And suddenly all the, really, where'd you hear that? Mm. Let me tell you, man, I was at this meeting, I was at this mastermind and blah, blah, blah. So the third way to start a conversation is a joke. Mm. And you can memorize one-liners. I have so many. I have a whole joke book. Maybe we make book. that yeah, a bit actually, I have the book. Yeah, it's called, I think it's, you know. It might be in here. It's we'll so funny. Find it, but, uh... but they're all time-tested jokes and you yeah. never tell a joke because if no one laughs, you bomb. But if you tell a joke, excuse me, that has a message and no one laughs, you never bomb because it illustrates your, your point. Mm, yeah. So, you know, you just memorize a lot of one-liners. Uh, Self-deprecating self humor is always the best way to come in. Mm. So I have stories about, I have one-liners about golf. I have one-liners about my body. Mm. I have one-liners about- Give us, give us an example. I come in. I say, you know, I, I didn't know that this interview on your podcast was going to lower my self-esteem. Your hair has not moved since 1997, <laughs> and I'm losing my hair right here, and I'm growing into places I don't even need. It's not a fair trade-off. <laughs> my only hope is that the hair in my right ear will grow long enough I can comb it up over the top of my head and fake everybody out. <laughs> you know, I had a chance. I spoke to a, a huge group of, of guys your age. And I decided that, you know, I could see them kind of looking at me like, you're an old dinosaur, man. What are you going to teach us? Because mm. they were like high level entrepreneurs and they're 30 to 40 years of age mm -hmm. and they're killing it. What, what, what could I possibly teach them? Then I'm this old guy. Mm. So I looked him in the eye and I said, I know, I know I'm old. I bend over to pull up my socks and I think, what else can I accomplish while I'm way down here? I said, I go to bed healthy and I wake up injured and all I did was lay there. Has that happened in any of you? I didn't know if sleeping could, could hurt you. <laughs> I said, yeah. but you know what? It, 
with that comes a lot of wisdom. Gift, the wisdom is the gift of the elderly. When an old woman dies, an entire library burns to the ground. Mm. So at some point, don't you think we better start right where we are right now, your age and my age? Today, you've never been this old before, and today you'll never be this young again. Mm. <laughs> so right now matters, and every right now matters, which means no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. I just rambled off one-liners that I've memorized. Mm -hmm. You can put them together. You know, like next Incredible week. Incredible intro, though. That frames a great speech of exactly. why I should listen and to Dan. Next week, I speak, I should be present. Next week, I speak four times for the same company throughout Texas. Hmm. And their whole, their, whole, uh, their whole theme is around golf. Hmm. So ahead of time, I got the name of the guy, the exec, who plays way too much golf. Hmm. So I'm going to nail him. I'll stand up on stage and I'm like, you know, reputation matters. You know what they're saying about, where's Bridger Pennington? Yeah, you know what they're saying about you? You play so much golf, you actually gather friends together to show them slides of work. <laughs> so now I'm nailing people. Now they yeah. get, and I'm like, and I love golf, but I'm not good. I lose balls in the ball washer. Mm -hmm. You think you had a tough year? I had my ball retriever regripped. I could go on and on. <laughs> so what you do yeah. is you categorize specific recreational activities, mm. educational books that you've read, places you've been, and you categorize them and index them and then figure out something funny to say about each one, mm. come, come up with a joke or a quote and memorize them. Mm. I call it practice spontaneity. So now when you're in a dinner party, now when you're in an event, mm. now when someone asks you a question on a podcast, you don't have to hum-ha around it. You go, let me just share this. Mm. Let me share that. So the third way to begin any conversation is with a joke. Mm. And you can just look for those moments when it's funny. You know, somebody's talking about, you know, finance in the home. You say, yeah, I had my wallet stolen. I wait, waited three months before I reported it. And the police detective wanted to know why I waited so long to report a stolen credit card. I said, because the guy who took it was spending less money than my wife. <laughs> and everybody laughs. And then yeah. so they don't think I'm sexist and throwing my wife under the bus. You yeah. say, is your relationship healthy enough where you can actually kid each other mm, about yeah. things that sometimes get in the way like finances? Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, have you ever okay. put your foot in your mouth talking to somebody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this guy comes into the CEO's office and the CEO says, man, you're so awesome. You've been working so hard, we're going to give you a raise and a promotion and move you to Detroit to run the entire operation. The guy goes, I don't want to go to Detroit. The CEO says, why not? He says, because the only thing in Detroit are ugly women and great hockey teams. The CEO says, really, my wife's from Detroit. The guy says, which team does she play for? <laughs> You can make people laugh about how do you undo putting your foot in your mouth yeah. if you just memorize line after line. And that's and you practice can tell you've practiced those. I don't know how many times, oh. but they come out just smooth. And yeah. crisp, but they, it's, it's spontaneity. What did you say? Before? Practice spontaneity. It's practice spontaneity. So the classic example as a speaker coach, I would say, okay, what things could possibly go wrong while you're on stage speaking? Mm. Number one, the microphone goes out. What mm. are you going to do? Number two, the lights go out. Nobody can see you. What are you going to do? Mm. Number three, there's a fire alarm pulled. What are you going to do? Number four, somebody throws up on the front row or on mm. the sixth row. I had somebody in San Francisco die. No way. Die. Die. Was it a very dramatic? Like, was it like? It a, wasn't my fault. I mean, <laughs> you had him on stage? Or yeah. No. But was he it just like had a, a heart attack. He had a heart attack. Oh, wow. He was a big obese guy. And then he was the husband of a woman who was a member of this association. Mm. International Customer Service Association. So these folks are HR, you know, they're human, you know, mm. uh, human beings, not human doings. And he just, he, he killed over and had a heart attack. So mm. I was, was the microphone. I said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a medical emergency. If we could just exit out the ballroom and I'll be the voice, I'll let you know what we're doing. Mm, yeah. The manager, the Hilton comes, it was an evening speech. He comes, he opens up the bar in the lobby. EMTs come in, take care of this guy. It turns out he had died. Mm. And so we evacuate the ballroom. And the idea was, you know, drinks on the house, take care of whatever we have to do. Nobody really knew what was mm. going on. They just saw him fall over. But you just have to rise to the occasion. But that's, you know, I mean, from a melancholy I'm way. I'm happy you didn't drop one of your one-liner jokes right there. That would no, have been yeah, timely. Yeah, it would have. But, but see... <laughs> But see, that's, like, that's so, I know how much you professional though. Yeah. Many other speakers would have froze on stage or didn't know what to do or just kept going or wouldn't have recognized the medical emergency happening in front of them. And yeah, but, but, but that also ties into personal preparation. How deep is your conviction? If this mm -hmm. happens, what are you going to do when you're on the road? You know, it's a, it's a wild and crazy world. 
you know, I, my flagship book, The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success, published by Penguin Random House. It's Simon Sinek and I have the same publisher. That's when he and mm -hmm. I connected, became buddies. And I'm when I finished my book tour, the number one question asked of me was, what's the difference between success and significance? And I said, it started with a conversation I had with one of my football teammates. He was drafted in the NFL in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. After two years with the Eagles, he's traded to my Oakland Raiders. After four years in the league playing at the highest Pro Bowl status, one day he walks out of practice, quits never to play again. Why? He loved being a football player, but he hated playing football. Mm. He loved the celebrity perks and fame and fortune that allowed him to live this life we call successful. Nice house, nice income, nice office, nice car, competing against others. But he hated what he had to do to get it. And the lifestyle of a professional athlete is so freaking wild. Mm, yeah. And when you're trying to be a family man, when you're trying to sustain and be that man of faith, when you're trying to be that role model off the field, off the court, off the off the diamond, and being the same off, off stage as you are on stage, it's a tough world. And he could not deal with it. And he bailed it. So he knew that because his inner voice and true purpose in life was misaligned with what he was up to, he knew he wouldn't live a life of significance and he would die with regrets mm. and with his music and intentions still in him. So that's one of the beauties of what you're doing. You're a man of character, you're a man of faith, you're a family man, but you're teaching your colleagues and associates how to make millions of mm. dollars. It's so cool with the risk that we, we lose our soul, we gain the whole world, but lose our soul. Mm. And I really appreciate you, you know, it's trying to balance that out by bringing in folks like me who really want to talk about the difference between success and significance. Well, what you just brought up there, knowing what you stand for. Somebody was asking me previously about coming on shows and doing, getting on social media, because before I wasn't, and that move to social media, and it's a big jump for every, I think everybody that moves to a, you you were born in the spotlight, I'm sure, but, and you played in the NFL, but you had some of that, but I, man, I'm just a normal guy, and I started doing videos online. It's very hard and taxing. You go on a show, a podcast. My father-in-law went on a podcast <laughs> like a month ago that he's, he runs a company, and somebody invited him on, and he was, he was just, he kept asking about it. What, what should I do? How should I prepare? And I was like, huh, for me, it's just second nature. For you, it's just second nature to come on a show. And I thought about that for a while, and I came back to, huh, it's interesting. When I first went on shows, it was very intimidating because I didn't really know what I stood for. What if someone asked me, what's Bridger, what's your stance on the Southern border right now? I don't know. And I still maybe don't answer. I'm not a political commentary, but I think political is a lot easier to, to match up. Because imagine if someone asked you, what's your firm stance on abortion? We're going to argue abortion right now. And you're like, man, I don't have my stats, statistics, things ready to, for either side of abortion of why I believe either way. But then after you do this a couple of times, you build that muscle, you, you end up figuring out what you believe in and why you believe it. And you're so good at defending that position that any, you can go on any show at any time, any place, and it doesn't matter what people ask you because you, you are so core through and through. For me, it's with funds. Anybody can ask me any question about an investment fund and I just have a full, like I've talked about this hundreds of times on my show before and I have a full canned answer of why I would argue this way Absolutely. and not this way. And it's easy, it become second nature because you know what you stand for. But at the beginning, it's very hard to actually, and I think it's a very good litmus test to stress test your beliefs. I agree. And it's a very, whatever category, whether it's politics or funds or whatever you're into, but I think it's a fantastic way to build out. And then you can speak with confidence. You can speak Absolutely. with certainty on a show. And that's the fourth way you start a conversation, the fourth way you, 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 you start a speech. You start, you just start right off with the story once upon a time or mm. right with the story. You don't hum ha around. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the easiest way to explain what you believe is through a story. So if you ask mm. me, Dan, what do you, what do you, what, what are your views on abortion? Mm. Now, if I say this, I'll lose half my following. If I say that, I'll lose the other half of my following. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why, why go to that controversial place? But if you catch it, couch it in a story, mm. then you can still put across your convictions. And I would say, you know, if you look at Chris Rock's late, latest Netflix special, when he winds down to the end, he talks about being a family man and his two girls, his two daughters. Mm. And he verbally says, I'm so grateful that we didn't abort them. They grew. They have grown up to be these magnificent young women. I'm so proud of them. Strong women. Hmm. And you know, you could throw out a line like, you know, it's just so funny. Everybody who's for abortion is alive. Hmm. It just, it's just kind of an interesting conundrum yeah. that uh, you know I really don't want to talk about. But if you just use some inductive and deductive yeah. logic, it would just appear to me that um, we have to consider it in a completely different way.
Mm. You know, I might even yeah. throw in, you know, if you and I were looking at the same window, out the same window, the same lashing rainstorm, and I complained what a horrible day, and you exclaimed what a wonderful day, the weather did not change. Mm -hmm. It's perspective. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So, you know, let's just talk about, you know, whatever, you know, the southern border. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make a joke about it. 40% of Americans are against it, 40% of Americans are for it, and 20% say no comprende. <laughs> that was a sick joke, yeah, but it at least gets across the point. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. It's a great, <laughs> that's awesome. Forgive so my sins. So tell a story. That was no number four. No hate mail. That was number four. Tell a story. Yeah, so that's all they're for. Ask a question, four, yeah. uh, quote a startling factoid, mm -hmm. a statistic, start with a joke that has a message mm -hmm. and just immediately start with the story. Mm, I love it. Hey, hey, what's going on people? Hope you're enjoying the show. This is Bridger Pains in here. So if you like the show so far, if you're more of a visual learner, we actually post almost all of these to YouTube. So if you go look me up, Bridger Pennington on YouTube, we're there and we actually have a ton of different content on funds and different business structure and strategy stuff that we kind of don't touch on on the podcast, but are more visual based stuff. So if you're a visual learner, go to YouTube and go check me out, Bridger Pennington on YouTube. With that, we'll get back to the show. Thanks guys. So if you have a story, now here's where the editing, I've got some gold records in country music. In Nashville, I learned to edit so every word pays its own way. Mm. So you notice when I shared my F-18 story, I could talk about going to dinner with, you know, Colonel Thompson the night before, you know, actually make it funny. Is there something I should eat before I fly in the morning? He said, yeah, bananas. I said, why am I going to cramp up? Do I need the potassium? He says, no, it's because bananas taste exactly the same coming up as they do going down. <laughs> I mean, I could embellish that yeah. story. And I could talk about, you know, going, you know, 46,000 mm. feet where you start to see the curvature of the earth and diving down loops, aileron rolls, doing mm. all this crazy stuff, putting my face back over where it belonged. I could go into details, but no, you ask me a question, I'm on a podcast, bam. And you got a minute to, to yep. two minutes to answer. And it was very succinct, very succinct. Yep. Yeah, so that. let me let me help you answer. Let, let's go back to when you know what you believe, everything seems to matter. So I soared to the edge of space in a U-2 reconnaissance aircraft. You can go to my website, danclark.com, or you can even Google a 15-minute documentary on YouTube just to see what it was like. Curvature of the Earth, it was awesome. And when I landed, because I'm a professional speaker, I had a moral obligation to figure out what I learned. Mm -hmm. So to put it in contrast, yeah. Jeff Bezos and Branson, they went, they went launch to landing uh, a lot higher than I did, but from launch to landing, they were only airborne for 11 minutes and they only saw the curvature of the earth for one minute. Hmm. I was there for five hours hmm. looking at the breathtaking curvature of the earth, you know, gazing in the endless blackness of the universe, pondering eternity, blah, blah, blah. You can see how I, I can mm -hmm. whip that story off. Yeah. But when I landed, this is what occurred to me, bro. Everything we can take with us when we die, I had aboard with me on that aircraft. Now, I'm not offending anybody by talking about religion, and I would challenge anyone who listens to your podcast to understand something. Religion is for those who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for those of us who have already been there. It is okay to acknowledge that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Get over it. Hmm. We are more than just financial beings. We are more than economic beings. We are more than entrepreneurial beings. We are more than family beings. We're, we're spiritual beings first. And that's why we need to feed the brain and the heart and mm -hmm. the soul, whatever we need to do. So what did I learn that Bezos and Branson never take the time to discuss? Mm -hmm. They just said it changed my life. Even Captain Kirk, you know, from Star Trek, he goes up and he says, I changed my life forever. Of course it did. If it didn't, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. I want to know the but details. How? Yeah, why? So I said, everything we can take with us when we die, I had to board me the, with me on that aircraft. Uh, our, our education, you don't learn to know, you learn to do. Hmm. Knowledge is power, but it has no heart. The people who come to your launch funds, I mean, your fund launch events, have to understand that all the information in the world is going to make them successful. It's like the guy who has three PhDs, one in philosophy, one in psychology, one in sociology. He doesn't have a job, but at least he can explain why. Funny joke. Yeah, we don't yeah. learn to know, we learn to do. So mm. it's what they do. They got to take action. Mm. So it's about education. We can take that with us when we die. Our character. What do we do when no one's around? Who are we really? Our convictions. What do we believe? But more importantly, why do we believe it? And only when we know why we believe it can we defend it. Mm. And then the last thing, our memory. Did my life matter? 
did I engage in life in a service before self mindset, echoing my mentor, Zig Ziglar, he mentored me for over 25 years. We were best friends. And he taught the world, you can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. And maybe your mantra on the wall here with your your fund launch should be wealth flows through you, not to you. That's the essence of a fund. You are the ultimate connector. You are the conduit guru. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, enroll. Ladies and gentlemen, come to one of my meetings, come to one of my conventions, and you teach people how to go, get from where they are to where they want to be, but you're the middle person that mm. says, why not monetize your connections? Why not monetize your reputation? If you're trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, why not use those core values to attract someone the law of attraction? We don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. Mm-hmm. And you bring like minds and like characters together, create a fund and together will rise. Mm. And guaranteed, everybody who joins your tribe, I know it, they leave saying, I, li- I like you best when I'm with you. I like me best when I'm with you, I wanna see you again. I like mm. me best when I'm with you, I wanna see you again. So what we do on this life matters. I really believe it matters. And if that's the most important thing that I can share with the world from my experience into space, how cool would it be to simplify our lives on a daily basis? As Gary Brecka says, when you wake up early and you're selfish in the morning, you can be selfless for the rest of the day. Hmm. So I wake up every every morning at 5 a.m. If my feet don't hit the floor the second my alarm goes off at 5 a.m., if I'm not in my gym in three minutes, I've already talked myself into liposuction and a tummy tuck <laughs> exercise is way overrated. Mm-hmm. But I exercise really hard, push myself. I'm listening to a podcast. Then I cold plunge. Obviously, I did it this morning. Mm-hmm. 42 degrees for eight minutes. Holy cow. You're and 42 then, for eight? Yeah. See, I do it every day. I'm 44 uh, for three, yeah, three minutes. It's, it's so yeah. exhilarating. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but my day begins before anybody calls me, before I have spouse Mm -hmm. responsibilities, before I have children or grandchildren responsibilities, before I have to check any emails. And if you can do that, but then it simplifies your life, Bridger, if you know, I need to work on my education, my competence, Mm -hmm. I need to work on my character, Mm -hmm. I need to work on my conviction, and I need to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if that becomes part of every single day, you've turned your life from success to significance and you won't yeah. die with your music still in you. And you live a life of full significance, which your book is goes in and out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's amazing. kind of what it's about. Oh, you know, look that. for, head on a swivel. Yeah. You do Where it. Can, I watch yeah. you. I watch your dad. Look at opportunities for you to turn a conversation from successful into significance. Hmm. Not, here's how you do the fun, the how and what. Yeah. This is why you do it. The benefits yeah. that can come to your lifestyle, to your influence, to your positioning in the world. Well, you said it as a conduit. Exactly. It really is. And it's funny that we're talking about funds, but it's fund is an ultimate conduit to do a lot of good for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Our, our mission statement for our company is empower people like you to launch and scale funds that move humanity forward. I love it. It's a conduit to move. You can move humanity in crazy ways, which I actually want to talk to you about with our remaining minutes here. Um, about a couple different things. And I want to get your take. You've been all around the world, talked to many people. Um, hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. If you're someone that wants to learn more about alternative investing, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, we just created a brand new group on Discord that all of our Wall Street Rebels around the world are joining. It's called the Wall Street Rebel Insider Community. Go check it out down below. It's an amazing group. I go live in there. We do calls. I do all sorts of AI bots and terminal things and all sorts of cool stuff. So go check it out and get back to the show. Thanks guys. I'm going to read this quote and then I'm going to, I want to get your take on it. Okay. okay? This is from Sun Tzu. The supreme art of war it. is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Yes. And you add to that Clausewitz, who was a 16th century uh, war strategist and the war, art of war was Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, know thine enemy mm-hmm. and you can win an entire battle without firing one shot if you attack the center of gravity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of you folks aren't old enough to remember the Vietnam War. It wasn't a war, it was a conflict because there was never a a surrender. It was Mm -hmm. a a treaty, it was an agreement like the Korean Peninsula. That's why we're still Mm -hmm. on board. And I've been to that that, uh, demilitarized zone. So when you ask, when you you analyze what Sun Tzu said, the mind is much more powerful than the body. Mm -hmm. And so there's soft, power and there's hard power. So the first time I was in Afghanistan and Iraq, I ended up going off base with special forces and Navy SEALs. And their mission was called Guns and Roses. 
because during the day, it was all roses. They're trying to make friends and build credibility mm. and win the hearts and minds of the, of the villagers that we're Americans. We're not going to kill innocent people. Mm, yeah. We take the, the, the collateral damage very, very seriously. We have laser guided missiles. We're going to just take care of the Taliban. That's mm -hmm. our mission. Yeah. And guns, guns, guns was at night when finally with these relationships developed with some of the grandmothers, some of the mothers mm. in the village, they pointed out where the high value targets were hiding. Mm, yeah. And the guns came out at night to either capture them or kill the bad guys. Mm. So what we learned is the most important part of any organization, any negotiation is the soft power, mm. the relationship where you win the hearts and minds of the people. Let me just give you this experience for yep. For example, so the first time I went to Iraq, Afghanistan, I was there for 16 days, spoke 23 times on 12 bases and in the USS Hiryas Truman aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf to thousands and thousands, over 30,000 of our troops are men and women in uniform. When I got back, because I was a motivational speaker, the first one who went in the heat of battle, 2005, man, the war was raging. We just had the Battle of Fallujah. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I went in February. Valentine's Day and came back the first week of March, 16 days later. And at the end of January, Iraq had its very first free election in the history of its country. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back, the curiosity spread across national media and I was invited on a national talk show. In Iraq? No, or in, in the United in States. The US, oh, the United States. Yeah, US. Yeah. And I came back. And I, the, I would have been concerned if it was in Iraq. I'm like, hey, you translators no, and all no. that kind of stuff. So in the US. And yeah. so in the US. And the, the, the first, there was two, you know, kind of a point counterpoint, you know, kind of the Hannity and Combs deal. Uh, Dan, I'm sure the, the Iraqi policy has failed from the get-go. Mm. Uh, how did you see the failures? And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, you know, there's a reason why we don't have a coalition, you know, created over there with other countries because America's wrong. And tell us why, you, you know, how, how, mm. how bad it was. And I'm just sitting there going, you gotta be kidding me. And totally framed in one and I And I eventually said, stop it. And he goes, what? I said, I don't know what you're doing. I said, what you're doing is you're asking a negative question that can solicit a true answer, but it's a negative answer. And therefore you're controlling the conversation. Mm. I says, that's that's not, in, you, you have no integrity. That's not cool. And he goes, what do you mean? Are, are you throwing us under the bus? And I said, no, 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 we trust you. But you gotta understand that he or she who asks the question controls the conversation. Is Michael Jackson the one of the greatest songwriters and entertainers of, of, in, in the world's history? Yeah. Is he one of the weirdest ducks that was ever born on any planet? Yeah. Both answers are true. One's negative, one's positive. Mm -hmm. Ask me positive questions and I'll give you positive answers because I was there. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know, uh, the first ever free election in Iraq, there were 11 explosions. That just is horrific, it didn't work. And I said, excuse me, sir, I was at Camp Victory. And I met the individuals from the NATO forces who conducted that free election. And there were 5,762 polling stations all over Iraq, mm. Babylon and the Old Testament. Yeah. And there were only 11 explosions and that's what you wanna repeat? That's what you wanna report? Are you kidding me? So I said, stop it. And the, the best example of all mm. is, he or she who asks the questions controls the conversation. Mm. So if you really wanna, tie into you know, the, the mainstream media or any other talk shows or sources, and you want to compare and contrast CNN with Fox, with MSNBC or any other communist station mm -hmm. that we you know, have on the air, what you got to understand is who is the producer? Mm -hmm. What are yeah. their political views? What are their socioeconomic background? Yeah. What are their views as far as, as far as gender bias, as far as race, as far as anything? Just find out what they are, non-judgmental, find out what they are, find out their education, find out their, their social and political bias, and then realize who is the on-air host and who is he or she, what do they believe? Because mm -hmm. they control the, the questions yeah. and they control the guests who come on to take us down a road. And I'm not suggesting that, that they're giving us false information and fake news, but what they're doing is giving a completely different twist on the whole picture. Mm -hmm. We don't see it. You know, this is the last thing. I got to rush. Did that ever go live though? That episode? Oh yeah. Ever, it oh, went yeah. Live. oh yeah. And all the debate back and forth. Oh yeah. They didn't, they didn't chop it up? No. Oh, it was live. Okay. Oh yeah. I just called them out on it because they couldn't say anything after this. So I started doing uh, United Nations leadership training in 1991. Hmm. Collapse of the Soviet Union, Glasnost, well underway. The Berlin Wall came down in 1989, let freedom, freedom ring. Mm -hmm. So 1991. 
I said, I'm in Russia. I'm, do, I'm there every six months for 15 days at a time with the United Nations leadership training. And I said, and I was the first American on national Russian television. And it was broadcast live to all 15 states, uh, all 15 Commonwealth states of, of the former Soviet Union, all the mm -hmm. way out to Mongolia, went to all of them, Kiev, mm -hmm. you know, Hungary, yeah, yeah. the whole deal. I could have started World War III. Yeah, it was, it was unsifted, it was unedited, it was mm -hmm. just live broadcast. And I had a, 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 a government assigned translator. So I wanted to make sure that when I finished my speech, they would take me back to the television headquarters, Moscow one, downtown Moscow, mm -hmm. with tongue in cheek to see if the translator gave the same speech I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just totally Because I had them laughing and crying. It was a great yeah. experience. And when we pulled up that night into the television station, there was three levels of barbed wire there were four tanks parked in each of the four directions, back to back to back wow. to back. AK of the 40, new station. Of the, of the television yeah. station. Yeah. AK-47 carrying soldiers creeping around in the shadows of the night. Mm. It was the most highly fortified and guarded building in all of Moscow. I'd spoken at the Kremlin. I'd spoken at the White House. The most highly guarded and fortified building in all of Moscow was a television station. Why? Mm. He or she who controls the hearts and minds of the people mm. controls the people. Yeah. That's how they propagandize their people. That's how they make sure that they understand communism and everything yeah. else that's going on right now under the guise of democracy. Yeah. democracy. So right now, what do you see going on in America? I mean, this has been a big discussion about that's media mass. and mass, you know, certain topics they highlight and don't highlight and the movement and who controls the media outlets. And I've actually, I've personally have loved this idea of getting away from mainstream media to oh, yeah? social media, places like Twitter and or TikTok and or alternative media sources that are just people reporting. One of my favorite things was uh, on TikTok. TikTok is my favorite place to go when there's a world event that breaks oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Bam, so bam, right bam. when the Ukraine war broke out, you had hundreds of videos of just people just filming. And so, and you'd see all around the angles of every single, like a, a big tank blew up and I'd see five different angles because everyone's got a smartphone. When, when the US pulled out of Afghanistan, uh, remember that whole thing? You know, they were throwing babies over the fence and passing them. I saw that angle from 10 different directions. We saw the lady with the baby pushing the baby over the fence. I saw an angle of a US soldier getting a baby over the fence. We saw somebody in the distance. It was fascinating to see. And we saw the people on the planes that were sitting on the airplanes. Oh, yeah. You'd see the plane going, and then you see a video of a guy on the plane, and then a guy, it was just like you got a 360 degree view of what's actually going. That's it's almost this new news. It's like raw. It's not filtered through a certain ex executive producer or filtered through a certain talk host show or talk show host. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts right now on how people listening to this should approach media. You've had a lot of experience with media yeah, in the country. I, I might not be the right guy to ask because I've been these places before. I've been in, involved in this specific incident, this specific situation and watched it reported on the news and it's nothing like what really mm. happened. So I am so disgruntled and so literally pissed off mm. that I don't watch certain stations. I refuse to watch them because mm. they're so biased. But here's something very, very interesting. So I've done as much supporting as I can financially. Went on a little small mission with Operation Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. I love Tim yeah. Ballard, he's a friend. And to see the movie Sounds of Freedom and then to see what the mainstream media and mm -hmm. especially Hollywood wanted to do and they're continuously trying to debunk it and say it's fake news that we don't have a child trafficking mm -hmm. situation in our country or in the world when we know it is. Mm -hmm happening is in America's that the, the, the highest propensity for seeking underage children it comes from America. It's just mm -hmm. crazy. Yep. And so now that ties into the southern border. The mainstream media doesn't tell us what's going on down in the Mexican mm -hmm. border. Yeah. But we live in Arizona part of the year. And when you can understand what my two guys in my neighborhood who are border patrol officers, mm -hmm. yeah. former Green Berets, bad A's, mm -hmm. and they're honest. They're trustworthy. They have no reason to embellish. Mm. And they come back with their smartphones. Yeah. And they tell you exactly what's going on. And then I have the opportunity to speak to the Border Patrol Convention. Mm. And you hear their real life stories all the way along the Texas border, the California border. And they don't report that in mainstream media knowing that what they're trying to do is invite all the folks into the country that they can give away free money to, to develop and, and build their fan base, mm -hmm. their voter base, now saying that they have the right to vote and they haven't even been citizens of the United States. 
there's a larger political agenda so going on yeah. based on the facts that we know are true the yeah. mainstream media doesn't cover. Yeah. So I hope that doesn't shake anybody's testimony about mainstream media, but because of what we talked about from the from the point counterpoint television mm -hmm. programs out there, I say maybe I can just give you a quick uh, two analogies from the world of Christianity. If you want to learn about Christ stumbling to the cross, you don't ask Judas Iscariot. Mm. You go to his mother, Mary. You ask Peter, James, or John. Mm. One of the greatest examples of what we do with your money, which is kind of full circle for your mantra here, mm -hmm. your motto yeah. at Fun Launch, is if you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, where he stopped and he helped someone on the side of the road and helped the community, the same exact money, the same exact coinage that the Good Samaritan used to better himself better his community and help a stranger is the exact same money and coinage mm. that Judas Iscariot used to betray Jesus. Mm. So it's not money. It's not the love of money. The love of money is what destroys us, but it's not money. Money is good, mm -hmm. especially if you make as much as you possibly can to make the biggest difference possible. So yeah. I honor you, brother. I love it. We touched on this for a second. The, the and I know you're mass into self-development. You've talked about it for years. Uh, uh, this quote again from Sun Tzu said, Victoria, let's see. Here we go. Sun Tzu said, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. Yeah, it's all mindset. Mm. So, uh, you know, if I've been on the program many times with Marcus Luttrell and we've shot the bull, and Robert O'Neill, who pulled the, three, the trigger three times to kill Osama bin Laden, and you get around Navy SEALs and special forces operators, they will remind us that under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. Mm. That's why we train and practice and prepare so hard. When you're prepared, you shall not fear. It's tied into public speaking. Mm -hmm. yep. They say the number one fear of people is the fear of speaking, of public speaking, and I disagree. The number one fear of people is not speaking well in public. When you're prepared, you shall not fear. Yep. When you watch these first responders, police officers, firefighters run into a burning building, they weren't born that way. You know, the Navy SEALs, the, the, the special operators, the soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors, they run towards the sound of the guns. And they weren't born that way, they were made. Mm -hmm. And their mindset matters. And to, to put my twist on Sun Tzu, <clears throat> it's not enough to say, I will do my best. We must succeed in doing that which is necessary. Mm -hmm. So pressure is not something that's naturally there. It's created when you question your own ability. When you know what you've been trained to do, there's never any question. I could just keep whipping mm -hmm. off these little one-liners. Yeah. But the reality is, as a football player for 13 years, what we do is we watch game film of the upcoming opposing team. And when they get in this specific formation, we know what defense we're in. And when we see that formation and then we analyze it, we see the propensity when they're in that formation, they run the ball right here over the B gap 92% mm -hmm. of the time. And if I know that for, through space repetition learning and I'm prepared, I put myself in the position before it happens, like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, I see them in that formation. I widen my stance. I get a little lower. I make sure I'm in a bad mood when they snap the ball. <laughs> and I make up stories like this guy beat my my mom up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kick his freaking butt. Mm -hmm. So I get the adrenaline. I rise to the occasion when I need to. And I do what I have to do mentally. And then the football play comes and unfolds, and I already have the competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. Let me just continue. A football play is 30 seconds between plays. The average football play lasts five seconds, mm. which means you have 25 seconds mentally to prepare for the next one. If you screwed up and you go there, oh, I'm a, such a loser. What yeah. a freaking idiot. I'm such a puss. That's not going to prepare you for the next play that's coming up in 25 seconds. Mm -hmm. So what we have to do is quickly process the information, learn the lesson, let it go, fire up, be resilient. Focusing on your why, my why is bigger than my why not. Why am I going to rise to the occasion this time? Because that whistle Vic just got around me and he's not going to happen again. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is understand, that's one of the more powerful quotes that we could even dwell on because you got to, you, you have to get your mind right before your body's right. You just mm -hmm. absolutely have to do it. When I was what paralyzed playing, oh, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, when I was paralyzed playing football, 14 months, I went to 16 doctors, 15 told me I would not recover. Uh, and now that I've recovered the questions, why did I keep going to so many different doctors? And the answer is I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. Mm. So in terms of leadership, 
The purpose of a leader is not to grow more leaders who believe what you, sorry, sorry. The purpose of a leader is to grow more leaders who believe what you believe, not generate more followers. Mm. In terms of sales, yeah. the goal is not to do business with everybody who wants what you have. The goal is to do business only with those who believe what you believe. So they choose you, not just somebody who does what you do. So Sun Tzu is absolutely right. You win before the battle. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you do is because you are mentally ready. Mm. Um, you know, great, great. You know, how, how are you going to deal with the stress? How are you going to deal with what's happening? You put yourself in that position and say, what if, if this happens, what am I going to do? Yep. I don't react. I respond. The first time I met you, you spoke at a small mastermind at Jeff Flam's house. Yeah, and you yeah. mentioned this concept of hitting rock bottom. And you oh, said we yeah. hit rock foundation. Yeah, rock belief. That's stuck with me yeah. till now. I've thought yeah. about that multiple times when I felt like I'm tumbling or gonna hit rock. Where's rock bottom? When am I gonna hit rock bottom? He said it's rock foundation. You fall, you rise to the level of well, I yeah, I said, the quote. Under, say the quote for me because I'm gonna yeah, mess it under, up. Under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of yeah. your training. It's massive. Yeah, it's not. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad it gets, no one ever hits rock bottom. We hit rock foundation. We hit rock belief. We hit the baseline core values on which we were raised. Yeah. Dan, it's been great having you. I got two final questions for you. Yes, sir. This has been phenomenal. First off, where can people connect with you, find you, follow you? What's the best way to get in touch Uh, with you? I have a podcast, Dan Clark. It's called Power Players with Dan Clark. Mm -hmm. And I took a break there, but I've got some awesome uh, interviews already in the can that you Mm -hmm. can watch, but uh, it's, it's up and running again. Uh, go to my website, danclark.com. I do a speaker boot camp. I do an online training, Speak Like a Pro. I'm really into the coaching side of it. Master classes just on storytelling, story selling, which would be very helpful for your tribe because you got to learn how to articulate and tell the story to raise capital, to start your fund yep. and to perpetuate it and grow. Everybody needs to become a great storyteller, I believe. So, yeah, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, which is Dan Clark Speak. Mm-hmm. I always post little videos and mostly stories to inspire. And they're great us, videos. I love following them. Yeah. They're just a hoot. But you I need uh, to post more. I need, I need more of them though. No, I we're doing it now. I'm cranking yeah. it back up. But yeah, I love it. I just want you. I want your tribe to know what a fine young man you are. Mm-hmm. That you're exactly the same off stage as you are on stage. And I can't say that with a whole lot of folks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who make a lot of money, vis- you know, visibly as as life coaches. Mm-hmm as as gurus that are very visible that we would recognize by name but when you have a chance to hang with them off task i really believe that that's that's where you see the real character of someone it's mm-hmm. what they do when they're not when they're through doing what they're expected and supposed to do it's mm-hmm. what the military yeah. guys do at the end of the day when they take off their uniforms and go into town mm-hmm. yeah it's what we do when we don't have to do what we're supposed to do at work eight to five and then once that's done, where are we going with our mind, with our heart, with our service before self or selfishness? So I, I compliment that. you. You're awesome. Well, you're amazing, Dan. You're the same as well. I, I love anytime I'm around you. It's it's a Thanks. it's a spark and a light. That's why I wanted to ask you all those questions about how do you walk into a room? How do you meet people? How do you approach somebody? Because that's so something I've looked up to you for years about. No, how does Dan do that? But you don't do even it. know who he is, and they walk in. He's like, man, yeah, that, I got to meet do. that guy. So, but you do it amazing. too. You got the million dollar smile. You have that ambiance. You have that that quiet confidence. It's about posture. It's about walk. It's about mm-hmm. eye contact. It's about I. Yeah. You matter to me. You know, getting out of your getting your head out of your cell phone and just paying attention. And you do yeah, it. That's so cool. Uh, last question. Yeah. Um, and again, go watch Dan's stuff online. It's incredible. And hire him for your events. We were going to have you out again. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. It'd be really fun. Um, final question. If this was your final podcast interview. I'm not going to interrupt you for about a, we got about a minute, minute and a half. What would be the most important thing you would share with the world? This is the final, you're going to die tomorrow morning, right after this interview. You had, you had one last chance. This is Dan's, one of my favorite things from the scriptures and reading ancient texts is people's dying testimonies. What was the last thing they wrote before they died? And typically if you do that with anybody actually in history and especially scripture, you find absolute gems and nuggets. Oh yeah. So with that, Dan Clark, what would be your dying testimony if this is your last interview? I would say no other success can compensate for failure in the home. Once you make your family matter most, then that prioritizes your day. Mm. And it allows you to wake up earlier before they do so you can be selfish in the morning so you can be selfless all day long. Mm. But number two, know what you believe and how deeply you believe it. Mm. So you've got to come to grips with your life, the purpose of life. 
you know, we can talk scriptures, but we can talk the reality of going across the U.S. Canadian border where those border guards always stop the car and say, where have you been? Why are you here? And where are you going? And if we can answer those questions every single day, where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Mm. Once we understand that it's a three act play and life right now, as we know it on earth, could just possibly be the second act. So I challenge everybody to figure out the purpose of life. Why are we here? What's the sanctity of life? Know what you believe. I was out the door of my hotel room on October 12th, 1990, when I get a phone call from my younger brother that my dad died seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. What would you have done? Mm. Would you have broken up in shambles? My hero, one of the best songs I ever wrote, used to get a lot of radio play about my dad, special man, lyrical hook, any male can be a father, but it takes a special man to be a dad. He's gone. Mm. I could have caved. I could have, I could have mourned his death forever because I didn't ever believe in anything larger than life. But what I did is I told my brother, mom and dad spent an entire lifetime teaching us to keep our commitments, to keep our promises. I'm going to go speak. That's what dad would want me to do. That would make him proud of me. And with my belief and my depth of my conviction, I believed that my dad was finally out of his cancer pain and that I was going to see him again. And with that conviction, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it doesn't have to be your thought mm. theology, but because I deeply believed it and I know it to be true mm. deep in my heart and soul, that allowed me to cowboy up and say, dad died, I didn't. Hmm. Why should I wallow in that pain? My conviction, my belief is so high and so wonderful and so magnificent beyond this earth life. I'm gonna go speak, I'm gonna dazzle him, rise to the occasion, dig deep, spend the night, speak on Saturday, then hustle home. God knows I need your support. Hopefully I can give you some of mine. Hmm. So our belief is the foundation for everything we do. And the third thing I would do is be present in every moment. Hmm. You know, condition yourself. Discipline is better to be disciplined than motivated, but discipline yourself to focus just on the person you're talking to. Not on a swivel, not pull out your phone. Turn off hmm. your phone. You know, come up with crazy rules at your home. You've got a little family growing up. Say, once and for all, we're never going to bring our phones to the table because once you let them, it's hard to undo. But if you hmm. start right out of the shoots, I go to so many, so many, uh, classified buildings in the military that they actually make every single employee and me walk in, put my cell phone in a bin and they lock it up. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. actually locked up in a locker. They frisk me for other cell phone devices. I couldn't even go to the men's room without a, a, a supervisor. Mm, yeah. We can do that. Rise to the occasion, set a higher bar and live on, walk on higher ground, live a higher standard of excellence. So people look at you and they don't seek your opinion; they seek your counsel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Based on what you've done, you've you've walked the, the you've traveled the road before. You've got some scars. You don't you don't talk to people out of a place of open wound. You talk to them from a place of scars. Mm -hmm. Been there, done that. That's longer than a minute, but I just I think that. that we've got to solidify and prepare ourselves so we can be there for someone else because that's what the the world's about: mm -hmm. service before self, service before self. I like me best when I'm with you. Yeah. I want to see you again. I love it, Dan Clark. Everybody, go follow him, DanClark.com. Dan yeah. Clark speak. Go check him out. All of his cool podcasts and videos. Dan, thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Bridger. See you guys later.